Welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour, and today I am joined by Chris O'Reilly. Hi, Chris. Hello, Alex. And we've got a special guest replacing Brian Campion, and that is Merla Shah. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I feel very, very honoured. <laughs> Another star substitute. This time, I think for the first time ever, Brian not being able to make it after partaking in some sporting activity. You yourself, Alex, before we go into the, the handball, uh, you had an alternative sporting experience of your own. I did. I, I happened to yeah happen on some college basketball uh, because I'm in Boston at the moment I've, and have been watching the games uh, on the other side of the world for the last week. So... Uh, uh, that's allowed me to watch quite a lot of games, actually. Uh, the t- different time zones do help out with that. But uh, we were walking through Harvard, and there we go. Uh, there was a college basketball game, Crimson versus Cornell, and uh, the boys, the, the Harvard boys, took it home for me. So uh, it was a good day. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that meant that I didn't really see too much of the Germany Netherlands game. So that's why you got Merle in today. Who is the expert exactly. in Germany? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Am I the only one who watched it? <laughs> no one cares about Germany. No, yeah, I was, I was busy. I was busy covering the the surprisingly tight Denmark versus USA match uh, today. So, yeah, it's all on you, Marla. But uh, before we go into it, we uh, should mention for those of you who haven't seen already, we have a big, big guest today. Besides Marla, who's joining us, but we have. The man that some of you have been waiting for, and the rest of you didn't know you were waiting for until now. The man who has been close to our hearts at the Handball Hour for quite a few years now. He is the first player to have one of our alternative awards named after him. Adrian Shiposh joins us on the podcast today for a lovely 20-minute interview that I had with him in Gothenburg, where, yes, we did talk about the award, yes, we did talk about his defensive philosophy. And yes, we did talk about him being just a lovely guy <laughs> in real life. So more on that later. Amazing. And I, th- I think that also just gives the power of Patreon. You know, by joining our Patreon, by signing up, and you can influence us. You want to hear us talk to Adrian Sheeposh? We will give you Adrian Sheeposh. Come in, join. We got a lot of great little humble community building there. We have a Discord server now on our Patreon. You can come in and chat nonstop with other handball fans. Uh, all of that. Brian Campion has joined it now. Brian Lost. Campion has joined the Discord. Uh, so thanks to everyone who has joined up. And if you haven't, yeah, just just sign up. Um, six six euro a month will get you access. And uh, there might be a little deal coming for the last week of the World Championship. So keep an eye out for that. Merle, you're a member of the Patreon Club. You're one of the first to subscribe. Has it been worth it so far? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not forced <laughs> to say that. 
<laughs> said that on your own volition. So yes, that's the Merla Shack seal of approval. Um, and seeing as we have you here, it is the most recent big game. We're recording now on Saturday night. Maybe we start with that. Uh, certain result in this Germany-Netherlands game could have given us a big, complicated final day, but it's not the case. Germany through. Yeah, and surprisingly confident, actually, I think. I was expecting a very close match against uh, the Netherlands, but um, the result was 33-26, and already in the break, Germany was leading by 15-12. And, yeah, this basically was all about Andy Wolf, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> like an insane serving, uh, saving percentage. 43% saved three penalties and yeah right after the break um germany yeah had nine minutes without getting any goals against them and mm -hmm. that basically was it so what what's what's been the general kind of german media reaction to this german team so i had put my neck on the line and said that they're going to win a bronze medal and everyone laughed at me I think that people thought I was on something uh, to conclude that. But I, I had this kind of good feeling about the team. I don't know why, but they're they're pretty safe into the quarterfinal now. What was the reaction from kind of overall Germany going into the tournament? And how has that built as the tournament's gone on? Yeah, you know, uh, Germans tend to be not too optimistic. So <laughs> <laughs> they, um, of course, they knew uh, they have uh, good players and they were surprised about the quality of the attack, um, but very critical about the defense. And uh, so was also um, Alfred Gislas on the coach. And um, yeah, I think everyone is surprised that it's going so well for them so far, but also everyone knows it's always the same key players and they don't have the broadest squad. So everyone's waiting um, for Juri uh, Knorr or Andy Wolf or Julian Köster or Johannes Goller to have a bad day. And um, yeah, you, and even after this match, I don't really know where they stand because, um, well, it was an insane match of Andy Wolf again. Um, would have been interesting to see how they would have solved it. Um, yeah, it was an equal goal, goalkeeper's game. Um, yeah, so... But you could say there's, yeah, maybe hype is too big word already. But um, yeah, people are getting more confident about their national team, and also yeah, the media does. I think it's funny hearing that because it's it's the same for a lot of teams. It's like you know, it's all well and good until somebody doesn't perform. But that's the reason why they're playing because they're there to perform and uh, you know it's it's kind of the same with iceland where we'll talk about more of them later it's kind of the same with norway over the years as well and for the dutch team as well you know it was a uh, kind of a, a tight squad that have been leading the way for them and it was almost waiting for them to you know be overawed or not be able to perform and it seemed like that on paper at least on the stats that not all the players were able to uh, actually uh, performers expected Kai Smith 6 from 12 for example Danny Byans 2 from 8 uh, what did you perceive of watching the Dutch team and where did it fall apart for them they just didn't manage to score for like 9 minutes mm. and um, I think that does something to a team so they weren't confident anymore they made mistakes um, Germany also made some mistakes or even quite many um, in the last minutes of the match but well, 
and it was, was still there and um, that was it. So I think the Netherlands were maybe a bit frustrated, but also, of course, um, it could have been that they were just tired and uh, yeah. that was the reason for the mistakes. Yeah, I, I think probably it is the signs of Netherlands' uh, smaller squad. Even though they have tried to rotate a little bit more in the last couple of uh, games, and Niels Versteinen, who we kind of singled out before the tournament, has had kind of three nice games. He scored six against uh, Qatar, so you know he's been given a chance, and a couple of other players have been given a chance. But it is just Luke Steins and Kai Smits just going one on one constantly, constantly for eight games, and you know it has to catch up to them eventually. And actually, on that, um, this kind of fatigue, I was looking at the games uh, today, so um, the, the games that we had on Saturday, and there was just some insane goalkeeper performances across the board. Uh, we had, uh, as you said, uh, um, Andy Wolf with 17 saves, 43%. Uh, Bergerud for Norway had an even better game. He had 15 saves at 54%. Uh, who else? There's Egypt. El Handawi had almost 60% at half time, And then uh, he ended up on 16 saves, 44%. Basically across the board, every goalkeeper, and I won't forget to mention a Croatian because the Croatians come after me if I don't mention <laughs> the Croatians. Sunic had... The man of the match. Man of the match. Yeah. Mate Sunjic had 20 saves at 47%. Um, that was against a very tired Belgian team. But I think it feels like teams are getting tired. And that's that's when you see this shift that the more tired a team is as it goes on through a tournament, the more important the goalkeeper becomes. That's what we always say. And because you know tired bodies lead to tired heads, lead to tired shots which gets saved. And that, this was just like a real example of it where the goalkeepers are taking over. And I don't know what to take away from this, to be honest. It was just a trend that I found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Germany, let's give it to them. They, they've been the most efficient team in the competition so far. Um, and I think that ability to play under pressure might actually uh, serve them quite well as the tournament goes on, as teams are getting tired. Germany is just such a well-drilled team. They've been shooting at 76% overall in the competition, which is, I think, the second highest be behind Denmark, who have just played a bunch of chumps. Uh, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> any, any, other, any other thoughts on the German team? Any other notes that you, you picked up from the, the game today? Actually, there was a quite a, a funny scene six minutes before the end of the game. Um, there was a timeout and... Uh... Weber and Juri Knorr convinced Alfred Gislason during that timeout to try the seven against six. Oh. He, first he, he, he said, well, no, 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 we, we're gonna go six on six, but uh, then they convinced him and threw the ball away immediately two times after that. <laughs> seven <laughs> against six was over. <laughs> but I think it says quite a lot about uh, the spirit of this team, um, because, um, yeah. And also about the development of Alfred Gieselson as a coach. I mean, um, having followed him uh, as a coach of THW Kiel as well, um, there's quite a difference now. So he's, um, yeah, much. he seems to be much more relaxed and um, also yeah, listens to the players a lot more and has kind of adapted to this 
young squad and maybe more unexperienced squad. So um, it seems to be quite great atmosphere also talking to the players prior to the tournament. Um, they were all really happy to be there together about the team spirit and yeah, haven't or said that they yeah didn't experience something like that before in the German national team. And maybe that is something we can see on the court now as well. Mm. This sets things up really nicely uh, in terms of the quarterfinals. It makes her quite a boring most final, most of the final day in the two groups in the Polish side because we have a group final in uh, in the France and Spain group to decide first and second place. Group final in Germany's group with Norway to decide first and second place. You were considering there after the game who you'd rather have in the quarterfinal, and your answer was Spain. That's what, and I said, that's what everyone thinks until they face them. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like it's more important for this team? Because they will know coming into this game who they face if they win, who they face if they lose, because France and Spain is on uh, on Sunday. Do you think it's more important for this team to just win the game against Norway, to get that under their belt, or to get a potentially more favorable uh, opponent? Yeah, I mean, just uh, from a sporting perspective, it, uh, is, it doesn't matter if you face France or Spain. Um, I think it's more important to um, keep the flow, uh, keep it going. Um, and uh, Well, I immediately said Spain because um, everyone in Germany remembers uh, 2016 when they became European champions uh, in Poland with Andy Wolf in the final uh, saving more or less every shot of Spain. So um, from a journalist's perspective, just because it's a nice story, I would like to, <laughs> to see that again, and how, yeah. if they can repeat it. Um, yeah. Well then, Alex, I'm going to ask you, because you, you're you pretty convinced that uh, no matter who they face, both Norway and Germany will win the quarterfinals against Spain and France, respectively, because you see them as first and third place. Who, who do you think is going to win the group final between those two? It's a tough one. I'm actually leading towards... Germany now uh, to win that group final between uh, uh, those two teams and I'm I'm not really sure why um, I think it's because Norway have had a very nice tournament but their kind of individual stars haven't quite sh- shown up yet I think they still have a chance to do that so like Sagason is still ramping up their players are still going to do that a bit later but right now the German players are hot, like Juri Knorr, Wolf, you know, they're just like right there. And I think they can continue that momentum um, a little bit better than this Norwegian team that's been steady. But who knows? I think both teams are are really good. I think that whole quarterfinal um, setup as well is like, it's it's really hard to predict. Um, There's going to be some great games and everyone's really equal in my eyes. Um, and I think, yeah, oh, just one thing on France is that Dikamem is still out. Um, he has been, he had this abdominal injury uh, that he got in the first or second game and he's been out. I think he's been held back by uh, Guillaume Gilles a little bit because they didn't need him to date. So it will be interesting to see if he plays against Spain and if he's ready to come back. Obviously, they had Melvin Richardson score 10 goals uh, to fill the gap, but that's fine. But I think for France to go all the way to, you know, a lot of people predicted them to get a medal 
they need Deacon M. I think without him, they're a much weaker team. Oh, it's a good thing they have that uh, that playmaker, Nadim Remili, who could also <laughs> maybe, maybe go out to the right-hand side as well if needed. I think if he plays against Spain, yeah, someone's going to be sent out there to punch him in the stomach straight away and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Germany to win the group against Norway. You saw both sides in action today. Only stomach feeling, but yes. Okay. That's the Poland side covered. Moving over to the Swedish side and the big game of the, perhaps of the championship uh, so far, came on Friday night in Gothenburg between Iceland and Sweden. The victory for Sweden, which we'll talk about in a little bit, has actually opened up things in a way that has kind of snuck up on us. None of us really expected Hungary now in pole position to qualify for the quarterfinals. Uh, Hungary beat uh, Brazil in a really tense game and uh, reeled back the years with uh, Mate Lekoy and uh, Roland Mikler saving the day for them. They now just have to beat Cape Verde and then hope that Portugal does not beat Sweden in the final game on Sunday night in Gothenburg to progress to the quarterfinals all of this after losing two games in a row and seemingly being out of contention they're really in with a, a clear shot to qualify now uh, which makes our upcoming chat with adrian shiposh particularly relevant i think a chat with adrian shiposh is always relevant at a major men's championship but now that hungary are quite literally on the verge of qualifying for the quarterfinals again uh, it makes it even more perfect so i sat down with him earlier on on Saturday morning and had a word. Nice to talk to you, Adrian. And uh, I guess we'll start with the fact that you're a day away from the final game in the main round and in a brilliant position as well. You, uh, you have a really good chance of getting through to the quarterfinals, which uh, a couple of days ago didn't seem so obvious, but results have gone your way and it must feel pretty good in the team. Yeah, because uh, it's true. We came here uh, against, uh, we, we lost against Portugal, and after this, uh, it was our situation a little bad. Of course, we play against Sweden. We tried to do our best, but uh, we didn't play that good. And uh, yeah, after it's uh, everyone can see it's not that easy. But now, yesterday we won, and uh, we have one more chance. Tomorrow we need to win again. I guess Capo Verde, and uh, we hope uh, Sweden also will beat uh, Portugal. I guess in that sense, it, it takes a bit of the questions out of your mind as well as a team, because you know you just have to go, just have to go, but you have to go and beat Cape Verde in the first game. That's all you can do, and then you wait and see what happens. Um, but I, in terms of your job, it's quite straightforward tomorrow. Yeah, it's true. We need to, to do our best tomorrow to win this game. This is so important. But after will be a really long day to wait uh, until the last game. Uh, what uh, happened? We believe in in Sweden. <laughs> they, they can uh, win against Portugal, and uh, yeah, after we can we, we can go in the next round. What kind of person are you in this kind of situation? Do you like to watch the games all day? Actually, I don't have with this problem. We have some teammates who doesn't like to watch that much uh, this kind of games. Uh, I don't have problem. Yeah, I, I watch. Uh, it's a little uh, stressful sometimes, actually, if it's close or uh, a tough game, but uh, I just believe. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and it's quite a turnaround in comparison to last year for this team. Uh, you know, there's that disappointing home Euro. Um, and I guess for a lot of people on the outside, there was not so much expectation for this Hungary team coming into the championship. 
I guess in Hungary there's always expectation for the team but did you feel a little bit let's say freer as a team coming into this one knowing that yeah it's true we have a really bad uh, European Championship but uh, also it's a really hard uh, group what we had because uh, we can see now uh, all this team what we had uh, in this European Championship it was a really hard game and actually we get this year uh, less uh, Netherlands but uh, we have the same group yeah. and uh, this is a so hard group what I think we can uh, play like a little with freedom or I don't know how I can say this because uh, the people don't think uh, we have too much chance now and uh, we, we are uh, right now close to go again in the first eight and it's a good chance for us and uh, to show we are a better team than uh, someone expected. How does it feel within the team now in the last week or so? I guess it felt like a turning point, that win uh, against Iceland, that late turnaround. Have you felt a difference in the spirit of the team or the, the vibe in the team this year? Of course, uh, this kind of uh, game, when we turn uh, one game like this, it's, uh, it's with a lot of positive energy and uh, we we play a little this uh, World Championship a little like roller coaster, <laughs> sometimes uh, up, sometimes down, and uh, this is not uh, that good. But we need to train a lot to be better, and uh, we have a little uh, less stress, I think, or I hope. We need to continue like this, and we need to show for everyone we are better than everyone thinking. And but for this, we need to show this for everyone. You said the roller coaster there. It seems like a classic tournament for Hungary in that sense, the ups and downs. Yeah, it's uh, it's happened. <laughs> but uh, if you remember uh, a little uh, back in uh, Egypt, we played a better world championship. Uh, we was uh, close to to arrive in uh, semi final, but uh, yeah, it was uh, a tough game against France, and it was a good uh, tournament. Now we hope tomorrow we win and uh, we can uh, fight again for a semi-final. And going back to a little bit you know, through time for your own career, I think it's it's super interesting. You know, you, you came into the national team at 28, is that right? Denmark, I played first tournament in 2019. Mm. This was my first uh, tournament before uh, in the summer start. I started with the national team. Yeah, it's uh, not that long time yeah, for you're me. Yeah, a bit of a late bloomer in that sense. Uh, exactly. I played uh, outside in Romania before to came in uh, back in Hungary. I have some injuries, injury there, and uh, yeah, I improve a little uh, slowly. The, but now I feel really good, my body, and uh, I work hard for uh, be here and uh, to try to do my best always in in my clubs or uh, in my uh, national team and also yeah you mentioned going to Romania to play that's kind of it's not the classic route uh, but you have family that is based in Romania is that right uh, my parents is from Romania mm. uh, my father is from Transiver my mama is from uh, Romania but uh, I born uh, in Hungary yeah. and I lived there uh, almost 17 years and after uh, when I uh, finished with the ju uh, junior team, I went back to play in the first league. I spent there uh, six years. Uh, I, I played there, and after this, I came back in Hungary and started to play in Hungary. And uh, how do you feel your your role in the Hungary team has developed in these four years? It feels like you 
from the outside have, have grown a lot in, in terms of the stature of the team, becoming a key defender. How do you feel that progress has been for you personally? I feel I progress every year more, more, more. Uh, yeah, I uh, have sometimes a better game or uh, worse, but uh, actually I I think and I, uh, what I think and how I feel, yeah, I, I, I improve a lot and uh, I have a a good position in the national team and uh, the coaches and the team uh, count with me in the team. And a lot of people, like followers of our podcast, and I'd, I'd say you have a bit of a cult following with English-speaking uh, handball fans for your defensive style. Like it's very, it captures a lot of attention. And I just want to hear, like, what is your philosophy when it comes to defense? Uh, yeah, not everyone like it. Maybe I am too strong uh, sometimes, or uh, someone how they say it's brutal. But uh, I don't feel that much this. Is that position? It's actually it's one of the the hardest in the in the defense. Played handball, they knows this, and uh, we have a lot of contact, and uh, that's why it's a uh, little it's difficult. But uh, I try to be careful. But uh, sometimes it's uh, not working like how I want to do this. Uh, I need to be careful more and uh, with more at in attention for this and uh, I hope in the future uh, will be better. Because you've got to live on the edge a little bit. Is that a fair way to, to put it? Like well, it, it, working on the edge of edge of the rules maybe sometimes to, yeah, yeah, to get it's, the advantages? It's, it's, yeah, it's in the line I think or I don't know. It's hard. Uh, always uh, you need to, what is the maximum what you can push and uh, in this uh, yeah you need to count with uh, with the open another team's players uh, because someone it's more heavy, someone it's smaller, and uh, you need to adapt always your uh, style or your profile for uh, this kind of game. And also what we have in the game, we we change a lot of uh, tactics in defense and in attack for every game, and uh, you need to adapt uh, fast and faster. It feels like you try to also set the tone for your team. I think every defender tries to do that as well. I mean, if you're showing a certain way in defense, you kind of give your team a certain kind of motivation or pump of them course, up a little bit. Is that, is that how you take that upon yourself? Yeah, it's uh, I, I need because I did just defense, actually. Uh, uh, most of the time I, I just in defense and uh, I need to show them uh, 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 this motivation and uh, I can be hard and uh, keep it them uh, close to me and help them. And uh, if we did a good job in the defense and uh, we don't get, uh, we didn't get a, a goal or something, after it's easier in attack to mm. play and uh, they have a better motivation. I yeah. think I hope. Yeah, and that definitely shows. And uh, and I was saying that you have a kind of a, a following among the, let's say, our listeners in particular. It's because we have, uh, at every major championship, we, we give out some alternative awards uh, at the end of the championship uh, for different things. And we actually have a, an award named after you, <laughs> which we came up with about three years ago. And it's based on the dark arts, basically, in defense, or an English term we use called shithousery. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's like pushing the edge with not getting caught for it. And, and it feels like you're very good at that for the most part. Is that, do you think that's a fair reflection? It's everyone uh, can think in them uh, side 
how they think about the handball or how they see this. For someone I good, for someone no, for someone like it what I did, someone not. Uh, it's hard to speak about because everyone uh, think in another uh, uh, direction. I try to do to have uh, more uh, followers or uh, more people who li- uh, like it me. But this position, what I had, it's not the famous or not yeah. the most popular in uh, in this sport because I need to destroy, uh, like uh, say like this, the the attack, not just the score a goal because who score a goal, it's more famous or uh, more uh, nicer guys. But uh, yeah, this is my job, and uh, I hope uh, and I try to do for everyone to like me more, but. I know this is the word everyone uh, thinking in other. Yeah. In, uh, I think other. That's, that's what we really appreciate about it because you 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 do have a kind of a certain art about it, uh, like the way you approach it. And as you said, you're trying to destroy the the attack. It's not a thing that people, you know, think of when they want to be a handball player originally. Oh, I want to do that because then they think maybe being a goalkeeper. But at what point in your career did you feel like, okay, this is the best. This is my position. This is what I want to develop. Uh, actually, it's happened like this. Uh, I played in uh, left back position when I start to play handball. I played five years in that position, and after I have some injuries and injury, and uh, I start to play pivot. And uh, more or less, I played always in defense. It was my best. And yeah, after uh, it's happened like this, just defender more, most of, most of the time. If sometimes need to go in attack, I'm very appreciate this because it's good. But uh, yeah, not every time it's uh, working good, uh, and uh, they pushing me to play more in defense. It's not a bad thing. I like to do this. I'm really happy with this. And uh, yeah, for the people. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's go back for uh, your question. Also, my look maybe without hair, with the bear. <laughs> it also can be for someone frustrate or uh, too brutal. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. But uh, if the people know me uh, better, uh, they know I am not that uh, bad guy. <laughs> Actually, I have at home two kids, uh, two daughters. Then uh, <laughs> I'm totally another guy out in the court and, and they were at the game yesterday right of course yeah, yes uh, they was in uh, Christianstadt uh, and now they came back uh, he, uh, here in Göteborg uh, they will be tomorrow too also in the game uh, they support me a lot they are for me everything how, in how old are your kids the smaller will be three in uh, February and the big one in March will be seven okay and is the seven-year-old have a, a grasp of the sport now and understand what you do she really watch and she really knows uh, the players yeah. from other teams and she really knows the numbers okay of the players uh-huh. and she have some favorites in our my club uh, here in West Prem or in another uh, national team clubs she has also what she doesn't like but uh, yeah she follow me a lot and uh, the the handball at home also with us uh, she watching uh, games and uh, she support us and me a lot uh, who's her favorite player what i know before was uh, landin from Denmark. Mark <laughs> and uh, yeah, here from uh, West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, lovely. 
so it's a good country uh, to be in for if she wants to be a handball player as well. Hungary is a strong. Yeah, uh, I don't know country. if I want for her no. to be a handball player, <laughs> but uh, we will see what uh, she she do now ballet. Okay. I hope <laughs> in this way she will do, but uh, is uh, her decision what she wants in future? Mm-hmm. We will see. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, about the attack there yesterday. You should have got a penalty. That was not right. That uh, that two minutes suspension you got. The defender was inside touching you. Uh, do yeah, you feel like this sometimes? You get a bit of an unfair deal from the referees because of I really your don't name. like to speak about the referee because it's damn job. Yeah. Uh, my job is to do my best in the court. I cannot decide. Uh, everyone can see it, what was or what is in the video. Everyone can watch back and uh, think it is true or no. I feel it. Yeah, he was inside. That's why I jump because in this position it's not that uh, good position for a pivot or for me to shoot from this position. If I did, uh, doesn't see him in uh, inside in the six meter. Actually, I, I, I don't jump in that moment. And uh, how I watch back, yeah, I actually I I don't shoot in uh, his uh, in the goalkeeper head. It was close, but uh, I think no. But it's not my decision. It's the referees can uh, decide this. They are they know what uh, they need to resolve and. Thankfully, it turned out okay yesterday in the end. Team won. That's the that's the important. Of course, thing this is this was the most important things uh, yesterday to won. Uh, I am happy for the team. I don't happy for my work because I cannot uh, finish the, the the game in the court and uh, help the guys. For me, it's uh, it's so bad. And actually, <laughs> yesterday arrived my family and uh, my my daughter always say me take care with the red card and with uh, two minutes. And uh, before was uh, I had some problem with her because always when I get uh, I arrive home and uh, she start to explain me it's not good. Uh, you need to be careful more. And uh, I don't happy for this, but I'm really happy because uh, we won yesterday and it was so important for a team and for me too. And uh, like this, uh, we can focus for the next game now. That's it. And you're in a good position, as you spoke about. Uh, how do you feel about the coming years for this Hungary team? There's some young players in there. It's like a little bit of a mix of generations now. Of course, we have uh, some experienced guys uh, who is older and uh, coming from uh, from behind uh, some youngs uh, as well. And uh, we have good. Uh, uh, young players and uh, our coach try to mix it this uh, two experience and youngs and uh, I hope will be good and uh, we we try to to uh, construct uh, build a team like this uh, I hope will be uh, nice and good uh, this way uh, we need to improve them because they need uh, a lot of minutes in the court in the clubs and also here in the national team. It's not that easy for them because uh, this is another level uh, and uh, here he, they need to decide uh, sometimes a game or uh, hard moments. But uh, we are really happy because they are with us and uh, we, we try to help them to, to improve them a lot in this month. It's amazing when you have then people like Matej Lekoy and Roland Mikler who can 
reel back the years and, and save course. the day a little bit at the end. That was incredible. This, uh, yeah, with these kind of players, uh, you can fight always to to go in front and uh, in the hard moment they can uh, help you or uh, can say uh, uh, a good uh, words to help us with this kind of players uh, it's really good in the team and lastly because we've been talking for 20 minutes I really appreciate your time uh, we talked a lot about your defensive uh, say philosophy as well uh, are there any other defensive players out there at the moment that you look to and that you admire their work in a similar way to what you do <laughs> Yeah, now it's uh, most popular this to have minimum one uh, defender player in the team who has just this uh, uh, job. I like different uh, styles, but I try to take from every player something and uh, put in my uh, image and in my uh, work. I hope uh, will be better. Was sometimes was better. Now it's not not working that good. How I feel. Sometimes uh, we need to change, change the mind, but uh, actually what I uh, what I like to watch now uh, I like Petrus from Brazil. Uh, I think he he defends really good and he he know everything what how he uh, need to do yeah, in the court. Yeah, he's got great movements and he just appears right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he take the balls and yeah. He, he's a really good. Well, we really appreciate your style. Thank you so much for, for talking. And uh, yeah, it was lovely to get your insight on, on the way you play as well. Thank you so and, much, and too. Good luck for the rest of the championship. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to Adrian. What did you make of it, Alex? <laughs> it's just, you know, every time we talk to a handball player, you come out and you say just how lovely they are. Especially the guys who hurt yeah. the most on the court. They're usually the nicest guys off the court. And uh, I think that carried through with uh, Adrian. That's it. And yeah, so thank you so much to uh, Adrian for the chat. And thank you uh, for those of you who pushed us to do it. Uh, it's nice to know that he's got a cult following in the English-speaking handball world. And uh, as he said himself, he, he's trying to make more people like him. And hopefully uh, things like this will help in that path as well. But as I mentioned before the interview, Hungary with uh, a real chance to go through. But maybe we can uh, we can start with the big game on Friday night. You came up to Gothenburg specifically for it, Merla. Uh, an amazing atmosphere. You were actually at both uh, huge games back to back. The Denmark-Croatia game in Malmo. Then you came up for the Iceland-Sweden game. Uh, one of the few people to experience both back to back. What a treat. Um, but it was quite a special atmosphere. For, for the game with, uh, I think, almost 4,000 Icelandic fans in the 12,000-seat arena. Yeah, it was just crazy. That was actually what I what I was hoping for, um, um, because I had seen it on TV, um, like the Swedish crowd singing the national anthem and also Star the Use. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, even when I, today in the morning, I talked to Niklas Ekberg about it, um, he just told me like he had never experienced atmosphere like this before and um, yeah it's just nice to see this uh, Swedish handball party going on what else did uh, Ekberg say about it that you can that you can share with us that's not going to be exclusive <laughs> for Keelan Ockerton <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually also talked about the atmosphere in the team mm. um, and that they yeah just have very good relationship all the other players and um, that they can share what they have with their fans and that he thinks that's why everyone is 
I'm so excited about it because um, they're just nice guys playing great humble and everyone can follow them. Yeah. I, you said something similar about you, they're just a bunch of nice guys, Alex, right? <laughs> they're really good as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's right. That's right. The game itself was was fantastic. And I guess we have different perspectives on it. Alex, you were, you were watching it on TV over in the States. Uh, you were watching it kind of with the atmosphere of the crowd. I was watching it with uh, commentary on my mind. And no matter what way you watched it, it was, it was amazing. And what really stood out to me at the beginning, and it carried on for the vast majority of the game, was that it had a real Balkan flair to it. There was a real fighting atmosphere. Exactly. And, like, for this, these two beautiful handball teams tried to take lumps out of each other. Yeah, that, that was kind of... I, I wasn't expecting that. I was coming into the game thinking, you know, Iceland and Sweden are two just very clean handball teams. They just play really beautiful, technically gifted, clean handball and I thought it would be a really nice game of handball, but I was a bit worried that it might not be that interesting. It'd be nice, but not that interesting. And that, that was not what happened. It was uh, both nice and intense and, um, in the end, heartbreaking for Iceland. Uh, it, really tough with especially um, Magnussen. Uh, that, that was kind of an insane piece of news that came out. Uh, on Twitter, or uh, it was an Icelandic podcast that gave that information that Magnussen was actually injured um, early in the tournament and was playing a lot of minutes with with that injury. Uh, he couldn't really play in that game. Palmerson was already out of the game, and despite all of that, Iceland just flew ahead. It was all uh, oh, Chris Janssen is he's the leader now. It's like they're all falling around him, um, but Chris Janssen took took it upon himself to drag Iceland into the lead. What, what was it like in the arena when Iceland were actually storming ahead? At, at one stage, there were two or three goals ahead, right? Yeah, three. there were three goals up, yeah, late in the first half. Yeah, it was like, uh, I was sitting, uh, we were sitting pretty much next to the, the Icelandic fans, so it was almost, it felt like a home game for them from time <laughs> to time. <Okay. laughs> So yeah, you were getting the good vibes, uh, but was the stadium as a whole kind of uh, what was it becoming Icelandic, or and did the crowd kind of bring Sweden back into the game? Yeah, I think the Swedish crowd were were pretty intense throughout, like in a positive way. Like they they seem to they never really get on the on the backs of their own players, but they they also know when to apply some pressure as well. Like they know when to whistle and boo. They're not all like clean cut, you know. They've got they've got a bit of <laughs> yeah, that's well, the, that's just like the, the Danish, players. They've got a bit the of Balkan about them. <laughs> they've got a bit of Balkan about them as well. The Swedish fans. It was incredible that that quick turnaround because they were three goals down. Iceland went three goals up, and this was just as Magnussen had come off. So it seemed like you know maybe it was still a tactical move. Magnussen was doing fine. You know, he'd scored a couple of goals, got an assist, but wasn't overly involved. But I think he just kind of. Even when he's standing there, not actively, maybe not playing at 100%, he still draws, you know, an extra half a man to uh, to his attention because he is who he is. Um, and there was a lot of joy coming on the other side of the court because of that. So uh, Smarison and uh, and Chris Janssen were combining well, left and centre back. Ailison was getting uh, a lot of space out in the left wing and scoring everything. Uh, so, yeah, it seemed to, that seemed to be fine until everyone realized, okay, Magnussen is not coming back. For Iceland, it felt like the defense was the was creating everything. So on that 
run of goals, it was counter-attack handball. So they were turning the ball over or uh, there was some saves from Halgrimson who came in for Gustafsson. You know, it felt like both coaches were also trying to outmaneuver each other from the very beginning, also with the goalkeeper choices. So Tobias Tulin started, which was a huge surprise. He did okay at the beginning, then he started to, to fall apart. But then the introduction of Andreas Palikit, that, that was the game changer. <laughs> Not only some amazing saves uh, towards the end of the first half, but then in the second half, well, it all started with that fly- first of many flying saves and then the wrestling match with Vidarsson. <laughs> yeah, that was, what was that? That was just, <laughs> I, I think there was a lot of people complaining saying that, you know, uh, Palika should have been sent off, but nah, there's nothing malicious there. It's just pure handball goalkeeper craziness. You know, there, there's nothing malicious about handball goalkeepers. They're all just nuts. And uh, that that's what I thought it was, where he was just grappling for the ball and for some reason writhing on Peterson, lying on him. <laughs> I, I, it just, I, I don't know how it happened, but I don't think it was too malicious. Uh, yeah, well, not, none of us had ever made a, you know, a Kung Fu flying save through the air. It must send a certain type of adrenaline through the body that that allows you also to to react in that way. I mean, look, Elodie Vitterson knew exactly what he was doing. He was blocking the ball with his body. He he knew it. After Palika was done, you know, throwing him up and down, it kind of, he everything came down. He went a little bit white and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> then, the, then the Swede came back into him and he was like, like you could just see over and over again, the slow motion, like him mouthing, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I have to say full credit, not only on that occasion, but uh, on a couple of occasions, full credit to the Macedonian referees who could have stuck their nose in and given a controversial red card because, look, what what he did was is completely red card offence. But in the context of things, they made the right decision. They gave both players a two minute suspension uh, and saved. And like, I think a big job when you talk to good referees is like, and it's particularly relevant for you know the topic now with match fixing is a referee does a good job when they allow the sport when they allowed the players to influence the game and they did the right thing there by giving both a two minute suspension gave everyone a chance to calm down Tobias Tulin came in and made an amazing double save then, <laughs> then he was done but it allowed it allowed everyone to to kind of get over it and not for that not to be a um a defining factor in the end uh, unless you're an Icelandic fan and the fact that he made you know five more amazing flying scissor kick saves was a bit of a factor. <laughs> it always makes me happy when I see Andreas Palika perform like this because uh, I remember when he still played in Kiel and uh, had this uh, serious injury and uh, no one knew if he could continue his career and then he had Omaye be- um, as a first goalkeeper and didn't play that much. And um, yeah, so now he finally gets the fame he deserves and uh, plays those, so this size of matches and uh, plays such a big role and also he is a factor um, for the atmosphere in the Scandinavian because he's originally from Gothenburg so this is like his home court and he really enjoys playing here and I think maybe this is also something that yeah helps Sweden in this tournament. But I I think it's also a good goalkeeper combo for Sweden having 
uh, Tulin and Palika. Basically, Tulin being the more relaxed, uh, positional-based goalkeeper, and Palika being the the just the crazy guy to ramp up a game. <laughs> uh, and having that combo uh, works quite well. And I think that's a that's a strength for Sweden. That let's say maybe an underestimated to to date strength having Tulin as a different type of goalkeeper with and, uh, and they also have Applegren in there who and I'm honestly I'm surprised that I was surprised before that Tulin was in the squad for this game I thought they'd kind of set their stall that Applegren was the number two and Tulin went from three to one and so who knows what they're going to do but that is so Come on, when, when you have a 68 percent save rate in a game yeah, you can't exactly. you can't be the third goalkeeper <laughs> although Kevin Muller I think came in and had about 45 percent uh for Denmark against the USA, that won't matter. <laughs> uh, that, that that doesn't really matter. No, or does it? Um, or does it? Well, I think it's so relevant for the entire Sweden team. Going back to what we talked about, the you know the key players having to perform for the likes of Germany, Netherlands, Norway, Sweden. Once like mix it up in the goalkeeper department, they mix it up in the left wing. So Pelas played the entire game, which is a bit of a surprise, but he was amazing, top scorer for the team. Um, Felix Klar played a lot more than he had in previous games and, and he was important for Sweden to snatch the lead again uh, towards the end of the first half ahead of Gottfriedsen um, you've got Carlsbergord, Mr. Like Dependable but then in comes another uh, how do you describe him? Nut job but in a great way Eric Johansson <laughs> uh, like they, they, they have such different different combinations they can throw in there and and it all seems to work. And, you know, Max Dari got two early two-minute suspensions. In comes Oscar Bergendahl, and he had the worst job, you know, playing in defense and in on the line in attack for Sweden against Iceland. But he did what he needed to do. And so literally, it seems like they trust 14 of those players to play. Yeah, and they uh, also had the time in the preliminary round yeah. to get them all in. So if you watch the start of Erik Jonsson's tournament after his hand injury, yeah. um, he had a really poor start, but um, then against Hungary. Nothing like a game against Uruguay to get the confidence going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh. so they're, they're looking good. They're guaranteed, guaranteed top spot. But uh, sad for Iceland, I think. Uh, there's a lot of hype and it really came down to that a dramatic loss against Hungary, but they're still not out. Technically, um, all they have to do is win their last game and hope that Sweden beat Portugal and Hungary do the most Hungarian thing of all time and lose to Cape Verde. That 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 can all happen. A draw is also fine. Yeah, a draw is also fine. <laughs> a draw for both teams is also fine. As long as both of them don't win and Iceland win, you can never rule it out. That's for sure. As Adrian Schiphol said, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> and yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so Sweden, guaranteed top spot. They'll take on the second place team uh, between Egypt and Denmark. And te- technically still in the mix, Croatia, if they can manage a 22-goal win and, uh, and Denmark lose to Egypt. But in all likelihood, Egypt and Denmark in another group final. Hard to garner too much from the... The last games we just saw, uh, Egypt with a tight win over Bahrain, uh, Denmark with a always comfortable but not impressive win over the USA by nine goals, uh, in which Jakobsen was really frustrated. That one is is hard for me to call. 
Um, I've seen a lot of Egypt. I've been really impressed with them. But this is going to be a whole other challenge for them. Uh, you've seen Denmark up close in a tight game. Uh, do you see, you know, do you see them having what it takes to maybe not just beat Egypt, but go deep into this competition? Or is there something that's really lacking, in your opinion, from this team? Yeah, well, Denmark hasn't been that good as I expected them to be. Uh, also, apparently against uh, the US boys today, um, they could have been better, but maybe that is something that was happening at the exact right time now for them. So maybe now they really know what it takes to 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 go, go further and uh, to like do the best they can. And um, maybe they gonna start playing like the Denmark you would expect so but yeah well I haven't seen that much of them so far but um, in the end it's Denmark one thing that is uh, probably a little bit underestimated as a tournament that's gone on is that Denmark lost uh, Lauga that Mm -hmm. uh, he is injured and I think we get uh, attracted to all these young superstars that Denmark has the Simon Putliks the Matthias Gitzel, the Mads Hoxer, even Emil Jakobs, you know, all of these like young, exciting players, but they're not necessarily that experienced or proven winners yet at a, at a core basis. And I think Lauga is a core kind of link between the older generation and the new generation that's coming in. You know, that link becomes Mads Mensa Larsen. He obviously can do it. He did it in a final uh, before. Uh, but I think Leoga is a key for them. I actually don't know. Do, does anyone know if he might be back in the competition or is he out of the competition? I, haven't, I still haven't heard. He wasn't in the squad again. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, he might be a little bit of a Deacon man uh, thrown in at the key moment. Uh, and and it is, a, it is a, a thing about this Denmark team. You know, I could kind of make observations based on what I've seen against Croatia and against the USA today and think, oh, like extrapolate that onto, okay, they've if that's what happens against Croatia and against the USA, like Egypt can also exploit those things. But we've seen enough of Denmark over the years just like flicking into a whole other gear. And I would not be surprised. In fact, I expect them to do that at some point as well. Uh Denmark are great at being the very best and then being really disappointing <laughs> in on a given day. So uh, it's a really simplistic way to put it, but one of those things likely to happen against Egypt. <laughs> and then we'll discuss it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is a really important game uh, for Denmark against Egypt. And it's, you know, it's that grudge match at this stage. You know, we, we all remember the... The incredible game they had in Egypt in that quarterfinal. Uh, so I think Egypt will have their eyes set on that game against Denmark and have a little bit of extra motivation uh, in that game. All those players will remember uh, the heartbreak they faced uh, on home soil. And uh, for Denmark, if they lose that, they might end up playing Sweden in the quarterfinal. And that that is... Uh, that's pretty pretty intense, but you know we won't we won't guess for now. Uh, I have a good feeling about Egypt. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. That's uh, that's fantastic, Alex Merla. 
Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back right after the end of the main round, looking back on what is hopefully four really dramatic and entertaining uh, group finals. And we'll be back uh, also to preview the quarterfinals. We know six of the teams, two more to be decided. Enjoy the games over the days to come, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. (laughs) 